1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know how to help you. Now, here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
2: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Kenneth Grunbeck, uh, who is a demographer. Uh, his latest book is called The Age Curve How to Profit from the Coming Demographic Storm. Welcome to the show, Ken. My pleasure, Jordan. Let's just start a little bit with your background and uh, how you've got to where you are and uh, your expertise in demography.
3: Oh, I actually come from, if you can believe, this marketing of all things. Uh, my background, uh, marketing for about uh, 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 30 years. Uh, but back about uh, 14 years ago, I made an interesting discovery and then reinvented myself into a demographer. Um I come from an agency background, started, a, I had a $40 million agency here in Connecticut. We primarily dealt in retail. One of our uh, signature accounts was American Honda Motorcycle. And, and uh, we, we had a very, very good run with American Honda. But in 1986, um, uh, the bikes came in to the dealerships. We had uh, roughly 140 of them that we were responsible for here in the Northeast. And they didn't sell. And we couldn't figure it out because the Honda motorcycles had been selling like crazy for uh, a decade and a half, two decades. And uh, all of a sudden, nothing. And uh, the the American Honda called me and asked me if I ran the ads. And I I said, yes, I did. And uh, we we were vexed from 86 to uh, about 1992. With an 80 percent freefall in sales of uh, Japanese motorcycles, it was, it was not just Honda; it was Kawasaki, Suzuki, and Yamaha too. But it wasn't until 1996 that I made a discovery, uh, like an aha moment, if you will. Um, I was reading an editorial on the Hartford Current, which was the large, the, you know, the uh, oldest paper in continuous publication in the United States, and they were indicting Generation X. Uh, People born 1965 to 1984, calling them couch potatoes, lazy, because they weren't participating in the political process. There was a, uh, a presidential uh, election going on in 1996. And it didn't make any sense to me. So we did the research on it and discovered that there were 9 million fewer Generation Xers than there were the baby boomers that preceded them. So obviously the issue was not uh, qualitative. It was quantitative. So we went and, and, and it just... It, it, it tripped a, uh, uh, a trigger in my brain. and said, take a look at the demo for motorcycles and see if that had anything to do with motorcycle sales disappearing. We knew we sold motorcycles to men 16 to 24 years old and discovered that once the baby boomers exited that demo, uh, sales were over because the, the generation right behind them was, uh, had 9 million fewer people. So that's how I became a demographer.
2: I see. <laughs> okay. You, you say there's a there's a lot of uh, demographic uh, illiteracy out there. Is that right? and, and, uh, it, and it, why it, is it, that? I, I think base, it's basically
3: because people can't count. People just don't like math. It's a, it's it, it's everywhere from uh, Washington to Detroit to. Um, I, I was in Detroit about a month ago and listened to a national sales manager talk about. Uh, the new Chevrolet models that are coming out. And ironically, uh they weren't making any I think only one, maybe I don't know, 5% of of the of the cars that they were building were they were building for the new market which is generation Y. So, I mean, if Detroit doesn't get it, I mean, you have to think that the best and the brightest minds are in Detroit, wouldn't you?
2: <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> They've had yeah. their problems. Um, But in general, demography is not being taught in schools. And and kind of what are the implications of people not understanding demographics?
3: If you don't understand demographics, you don't don't understand future markets. If you don't understand future markets, what are you doing in a market economy? I mean, that's the bottom line.
2: At the beginning of your book, uh, which again is called The Age Curve, uh, you talk about the generational impact on supply and demand. Correct. So why don't you kind of talk a little bit about what difference it makes based on the demographics of how supply and how demand changes over the years. Well, it, it, Jordan,
3: it, it, at given points in our life as, as we age, as we, as we pass through the time continuum, there, we, we have a demand for certain things. When, when we're first born, there's a demand for maternity wards, and then there's a demand for bottles, and then there's a demand for diapers, and then there's a demand for toys. And as any given population passes through the system, uh, there's a demand for public schools, for buildings. There's a, there's a demand for sports equipment. There's a demand for automobiles. There's a demand for houses. Uh, if you have a large generation, that's a, a generation that's significantly bigger than the generation in front of it, there's all kinds of opportunity in markets. And people are overwhelmed with business, and they're very excited, and they think they brought it, um, brought it on themselves. But then if, if you have the baby boomers, for instance, passing through uh, the automobile buying age, which the, the ideal automobile buying age is, is uh, uh, roughly 35 to 45, and, and it's a male, uh, that's, that's the individual that buys the most cars. If the baby boomers pass through that simple demo, that simple 10-year demo, and right behind them is the a generation that only has that has 9 million fewer people or an 11% freefall in the size of the market, you can expect the market to fall as well. That's the implication.
2: Now, you have a chart in your book, which you call uh, U.S. live births, from 1905 to 2006, which you basically say, is once you understand this, you understand all of demographics. So let's briefly go through uh, the different generations that you call them and kind of characterize what happened, what the formative influences are, how many there are of them, and, and how demographers can use this and, and people in general can use this understanding. The first generation uh, is what you call the GI generation. So Correct. tell us briefly kind of when they were born and, and what their influences were and the other things I was just saying.
3: Well, GI generation was born uh, 1905 uh, to um, 1924. It's a, It was a huge generation. There, there were... Uh, there were significant live births here in the United States, and it was augmented by about a million people a year coming here from Europe. So, at, at the end of the day, this this was a this was a very very big generation. This was these were the baby boomers' parents. Uh, following this generation was a, a a small generation, if you will. Uh, between 1925 and 1944, there were only. Uh, uh, Fifty-two million people, fifty-two and a half million people born in the United States, and there was no no immigration at all. In fact, the immigration in a lot of the years in that twenty-year period, that twenty-year generation called the Silent Generation, went the other way. They went back to Europe because it was just as easily, just as easy to starve there or to struggle there. And a lot of and and actually, a lot of Germans went back to because they thought Hitler was going to win. But uh, so you have a period right that's currently. Uh, uh, 66 to 85 years old, that's very, very small. And that's the silent generation. Next generation, baby boomers, born 1945 to 1964, a huge generation, 78.2 million people, uh, close to 80 million. When you factored in uh, immigration, uh, everywhere the baby boomers go, they uh, significantly impact the market by driving it through the roof. They drove... Uh, you know, we had to build maternity wards. We had to build schools. We had to. We there was uh, automobiles. You know, Lee Iacocca built them, their own car. Wherever they go, they have a significant impact. Right after the baby boomers is the generation that's currently disappointing everyone, and that's the uh, Generation X, born 1965 to 1984. There's roughly 69 million of them, and. Uh, Very little uh, uh, immigration uh, initially in this period, but now an enormous amount of immigration that's that's filled in the hole because there just simply weren't enough of this group to even satisfy uh, entry-level labor. So that's where all the Latinos poured into the country to satisfy the, uh, the labor requirements that couldn't be met by this tiny generation. Now, right after this generation, born 1985 to 2004, is the generation that sets the United States apart from all other industrialized nations and all other Western cultures, and that is Generation Y. Generation Y is huge. It's bigger than the baby boomers. The impact of Generation Y is only just now beginning to be really felt and understood, but uh, it, it's going to spell uh, uh, make a major difference in our country, relative to the rest of the world, it's a very positive thing to have this huge new labor force, huge new body of consumers coming our way.
2: Contrast, if you will, uh, this cycle with the rest of the world. As you say, we have a strong generation Y, the most recently born. Uh, how does that contrast with uh, Europe and Japan and other places around the country, around the world?
3: That's 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 probably the, the single biggest demographic phenomenon uh, of. Uh, in history, what's going on right now? Because uh, in the EU, for instance, fertility has dropped to way below replacement level, and that means replacement level of fertility is is roughly 2.2 kids per couple. Uh, if you if you wanted to go to Italy, for instance, or to France, you better go now if you wanted to experience their culture, because the uh, Starting about 25 years ago, the, the French and well all of the EU almost uh, stopped having kids. And the net result was uh, the Muslim culture, which is not compatible with Western culture, uh, Muslim immigrants poured into the EU to satisfy the labor requirements, and they don't assimilate. So what you're having in, in, what you have in Europe is a, a really two cultures that are kind of at odds with each other. And uh, uh, eventually, Europe will be all Muslim. Uh, what,
2: what, is the, be- what is the replace, What is the birth rate among Europeans, not Muslims, but Europeans now? How much below 2.2 is it?
3: Uh, in some cases, like in, if you can believe this, it's like 1.2 in uh, in Italy. And I, and I keep on telling people, if, if you know the Pope, give him a call, because this is happening right under his nose. Remember when the Italian families used to be the largest ones? The, yes. You know, the, the Catholic families? Yeah, uh, well, if, if something's gone terribly wrong because now I mean, you can't have one child per couple and expect to ha- maintain your culture. You can't do it. Demographically, it's impossible because what you have is you have four grandparents, two parents, and one child. It should be, you know, it should be inverted. We've flipped the family around, and and uh, in Western cultures throughout Europe, they're just simply not having kids, and and it gets worse. It's it much worse in, in uh, Russia eastern europe not only do they have are they not having kids but but uh, they're not living as long i mean if, if you're a a 16 year old male in, in what is now russia your chances of making it to 60 or 50 50. then you go to um all of asia including the koreas and and japan um all of southeast asia and then china china has a, a one child only policy china in the last 30 years using their own numbers, not our numbers, their numbers, have prevented 400 million live births. And uh, that, that's, that's essentially the, the equivalent population of the United States and Canada. Now, what that means is, is that, that Ch- uh, China, for instance, doesn't have a future labor force. What's their single biggest advantage? Is their, you know, their uh, undervalued currency and their huge labor force well, they're going to lose the currency thing here very soon because of pressure from the rest of the world, and then they're going to try to rely on, on, on a labor force that doesn't exist.
2: So, so you think that was a bad? They were worried about the opposite. They were worried about huge overpopulation. Anyway, we're yeah. going to take a break. Uh, my guest this hour is uh, Kenneth Granbeck, uh, whose new book is called The Age Curve, How to Profit from the Coming Demographic Storm, a real lesson on demographics in this uh, edition of The Money Answer Show.
0: green you've asked and we've heard you voice america presents the green talk network
2: Uh, whose book is called The Age Curve, How to Profit from the Coming Demographic Storm. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Good to be back. Uh, tell them if you have a website and other ways to follow up on uh, what we're talking about here a little bit.
3: Best way to follow up is uh,
2: www.kgcdirect.com. And, and what does that stand for, KGC?
3: KGC Direct is, is Ken Grunbeck Communications
2: com. Okay, very good. Okay, uh, so we were talking about China, and uh, basically you said by having the single-child policy, uh, this is going to cause them all kinds of problems in the future. Why don't you elaborate a little bit more on that?
3: Well, demographers are calling what, what, what's the one-child policy in on a part of uh, China the single biggest demographic blunder in the history of the planet. They, you know, what's, what's, China, what's China's advantage in um, um, the, the whole manufacturing scene is their is cheap labor and the fact that their their uh... Currency is undervalued you know two big things well you know the, the, the currency issue is going to you know come to bear as a result of uh, uh... the rest of the countries of the world are essentially saying you know you got to start playing fair but let's let's go back to the demography part of it if you've eliminated they cut their fertility from four to under one i mean uh, to about one uh, by, so, so they cut their fertility seventy five percent, which means that they had a hole in their population. Uh, yes, you know, congratulations, China, you've, you've reduced your population, but you've done it all in one place, and you've done it under thirty years old, which means that starting right now, China is going to start experiencing labor shortages. I mean, I, mean, I know that that's, that's counterintuitive, but that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> And when you have labor shortages, you have to pay more for labor. And if you have to pay more for labor, you no longer have a labor advantage. So China's labor advantage or low-cost labor or near-slave labor advantage is history.
2: I mean, they were saying the reason they had to do that is they were worried about just being overwhelmed with more population and having, you know, two, 2 trillion people or 3 trillion people. If they hadn't done anything, they thought they would just be completely overrun. So what was wrong with that?
3: Well, what was wrong with it is if they could uniformly, or if they could slight One, they're heading towards a market economy. I mean, that's the idea, right? So market economy means production and consumption. Well, all they've been able to do so far is uh, uh, production, and then the rest of the world has to consume to keep them alive, uh, which I find kind of interesting because their GDP is like around you know $4 trillion, and, and our GDP is around fourteen trillion. For them, for their GDP to go to eight trillion dollars, our GDP would have to go up closer to twenty. <laughs> I mean, because we're the consumers, and and if they don't produce any consumers, which they, you know, two ways they haven't: one, they don't pay their people enough, and two, they don't have enough kids. What do they think? What do they think they're going to do? I mean, one, how are they going to man their factories? And two, who's going to buy this stuff? It's it's a it's really lunacy, and I don't know what they were thinking.
2: So you don't think it, it would have been uh, crazy to let know keep their uh, birth rate of four and and have three trillion people or something in the
3: uh ultimately if, if, if they were to gradually deal with their population and, and just experience a slow growth in, in a market economy or any market business even if you're you, you want to think in terms of retail you need to have and, and to make the system work steady even growth, maybe their growth is out of control. But what what you don't do is you don't cut it by seventy five percent. You don't cut a hole in your population by seventy five percent, which is what they've done.
2: So, what are going to be the long term implications? I, I understand China in a place like uh, Europe, where they've got uh, you know a very low replacement rate. As you say, they've been bringing in uh, people from the Muslim countries to some extent. But uh, what's going to happen, kind of socially and economically, when they have these? This older population not being supported by a younger population
3: it's ugly it's called uh, um, you, you have you know el- elderly indigents. <laughs> it's I, I don't know how, when in, in terms of uh, uh, Europe you know their problems are not as extreme as Asia certainly not as extreme as china China's going to have a problem uh, not not you know for, forget about being a, a uh, an economic powerhouse or an industrial powerhouse if they're not they're gonna have problem feeding people. when you don't heavy lifting in any culture, any culture, is done roughly forty to sixty. And we could even we can even narrow that down. We could see you know, forty five to fifty five, all the heavy lifting. In the United States the heavy lifting done in our country is forty five to fifty years old. That's where the that's where the real production takes place. That's where the real tax play paying takes place. That's where the real consumption takes place. That's when you buy more stuff than in any other time in your life. If you occupy that particular time frame with a demo that's 75% smaller than it was, you know, like in the previous 10 years, what do you think is going to happen? One, your production goes down. Two, your consumption goes down. Three, your tax-paying ability goes down. What are they going to use to run the country? I I don't know what they were thinking.
2: So if you were advising... Uh, the Chinese or the Italians or the Germans or some of these countries today that have this coming, what would you advise them to do?
3: Well, I, it, it's not so much what I can advise them to do because it's too late. You can't fix what they've done. You can't suddenly say, oh, we better have kids, which is what, China, what uh, Japan suddenly, I mean, Japan took a good hard look at what the problem was in their own country and you know with their labor issues and said, we need to have kids. So they're sending people home, you know, couples home to, to, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> to have children. You know, and, and, uh, but it's too late because you have a huge hole in your population. And in my book, I point out the, the significance of, you know, we have a, we have a, a single generation in our uh, country right now called Generation X where there are 9 million fewer people. And, and I, what, I, what I cover is, in my book are the implications of missing those 9 million fewer people at 11% freefall on the size of our economy had a dramatic effect. On, on uh, everything, and right now we're experiencing, uh, you know, our our home sales are way way off. Well, there's no surprise there because there aren't enough Gen Xers to buy Boomer homes, just like there weren't enough Gen Xers to buy Boomer cars, or there weren't enough Gen Xers to to fill, you know, all the high schools and grade schools that we built for the Boomers. What's going to happen is you you cannot cut a hole in your population which is what the rest of the world is going to, has done. So what I think is going to happen, Jordan, I think the best and the brightest from Europe, the best and the brightest from Eastern Europe, the best and the brightest from Asia are going to come to this continent and the rest of the world is going to go into a big correction.
2: So it's to our benefit actually what's happening.
3: I think the the best days for the United States are ahead of us not behind us because one thing that's unique about our continent uh, you know just starting in Alaska, but in in, in uh, in Canada, United States, Mexico, Central, and South America, is we can both produce and consume within this continent. And we're surrounded by water, which is excellent protection. And we have the biggest navy, the United States does, bigger than all the other navies in the world combined. There's no mystery to that. Going forward, this is going to be where it's at right here, United States.
2: How does this uh, compare historically? Have there been other times, maybe not as numbers as big as this, but where you've had these demographic booms and busts and uh, affecting the economy? What has this going back in history kind of shown us?
3: Uh, Not 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 to this extent because we've never been this global before. We've never been so interdependent on on uh, not only on you know other people inside of our own countries, but we've never been so dependent on other countries. When you when you have you go back in history you look at agrarian societies if you have a plague you just have smaller farms uh, no it's never really happened like this before this is the first time in the history of, of the world that uh, fertility has been tampered with and dropped like a stone
2: now there are other parts of the world where fertility is extremely high there's a huge younger population the Muslim world and Africa, other parts. So, so how is that going to change the world balance of population uh, when you have so many young people being born there and so few being in the in the developed parts of the world?
3: It's it's, it's going to be an interesting place. You take a look at populations like in uh, like in India, northern part of Italy, um, India. Uh, I mean, culturally they're 20 years behind. Uh, I mean, in terms of a, uh, economic ad, uh, advancing, they're 20 years behind China. Um, the, the southern part of India they're doing uh, gender based abortions just like China so I it, mean, it, it's like that's complex you have Africa where you have the highest fertility in the world but then you have uh, you know people don't last very long they're, they don't live very long uh, I, I don't we don't see any serious uh, socio economic uh, industrial military advancing in any any part of uh, sub saharan Africa but that's where a lot of People are being born. Uh, it's just right now, demographically, these are very interesting times.
2: Are there ways to invest uh, based on all this? If you see these big waves coming, uh, some things you would invest in and some things you would avoid investing in?
3: Are you kidding? <laughs> oh, man. Like you can't believe. Um, yeah, you know, we put together a, a, a couple of uh, associates and myself. Uh, um, if you go to my site or you go to uh, uh, agecurve Research or excuse me uh, agecurveconsulting.com agecurveconsulting.com we put together a portfolio like a mock portfolio. we used a million dollars and did some investing in the stock market just using uh, uh, the demographic principles and and we doubled the money in a year.
2: Well, I want to get into that in some detail after the break here, because I think it would be of great interest to people. Okay. So, it, is your sense that the political leaders around the world are aware of the situation and scared no. about it and doing something about it? No,
3: not at all. No, no, they, he, demographers think three, five, seven, ten years out. Most uh, um, uh, politicians and most business people think quarterly report, and most politicians think election cycle. So it's not—it's not even close. They, they don't consider it at all.
2: I mean, Not even at, at the G20 meeting yesterday, uh, President Obama was talking about demographic uh, pressures on Social Security and Medicare and all that kind of thing. So at least he says he's, he's interested in these things. And- yeah,
3: well, if he was telling it, I mean, if, if he really wanted to say it, he, he could say that uh, uh, Social Security is going to tank. I mean, Social Security—I mean, it probably already has tanked, but the, the, you know, we seem to have enough money to pay people from somewhere. I don't know where they're getting it. But when, when you have a small group of people paying into Social Security and a huge group of people um, uh, collecting, you know you're going to have a problem, and that's exactly what's happened. It, it's the same thing that happened with health insurance. Why is health insurance in such a bad place? Well, when the boomers were young and healthy and paying into the system and not using the services, it was great. An idiot could make money in health insurance. Now you have the boomers are paying in, but collecting more than they're paying in, and the group that's paying in and not using the services is small. Well, I guess you got a problem.
2: Indeed. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Ken Granbeck, uh whose new book is called The Age Curve, How to Profit from the Coming Demographic Storm. Uh, his website is kgcdirect.com and also agecurveconsulting.com. We'll be back.
0: Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Kenneth Granback, whose new book is called The Age Curve, How to Profit from the Coming Demographic Storm. Welcome back to the show, Ken. Good to be back. Let's talk about the investment implications, at least by sectors, of uh, some of the things. Let's start off with the areas that will be benefiting uh, by the current uh, demographic storm coming, both the United States and around the world.
3: Well, let's start with the United States. I got a, a call, right? Actually, I actually got an email earlier this uh, week from a fellow that builds um, apartments. And it, the, the, he calls them rentals as opposed to apartments because he said they're, they're one level, one-and-a-half bath. Uh, two bedroom with a garage, and he said they can't make them fast enough for boomers. I mean, it's like it's like the over fifty five community, but it's you know scaled way back. There's no pool, there's no uh, you know common area stuff. You know, it's a, it's a rental, and he said the rentals are you know substantial. They, you know they they, they, get, they get good rents for them. He said, but the boomers are flocking to this, um, and so this combined with the over fifty five community for the people that have a little bit more money. Is going to be huge. Whatever, whatever is in front of the baby boomers right now is going to just be overwhelming. And you want another one? Here's one for you. I'm the new expert, and I get a kick out of this on on funerals and cremation. And 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 the reason um, I I, uh, I'm just, I I get this title, if you will, is I got a call from the ICCFA that that.
2: Uh, uh, That's the cemetery cremation. Yeah,
3: yeah, the cemetery cremation people. They they wanted to know why the number of funerals are down over ten years ago, and I said because the number of births seventy to eighty years ago are down over ten years ago. So, um,
2: they're expecting a boom in in deaths. I mean,
3: it's going to be huge. It's it's and so I went to and I spoke to this group and I said, listen, this is going to go nothing but straight up. Because if you're alive now and you're in the funeral industry, if you're in the cremation industry, your your business is going to go straight up, uh, starting now and for the next 20 years.
2: But they, they expected it earlier, and they've been disappointed, you're saying.
3: Oh, well, what happened? You, know, you want to hear what happened? I mean, I, I don't want to get in trouble here or sued. But there was a very famous demographer in 1995 who they paid, I think, $50,000 to come and speak to them. As a keynote, and who told them that the boomers were going to start dying um, in the year 2000? The only problem was it was 20 years too early. Okay. So, uh, oh yeah. So the entire funeral industry geared up. All the mom and pops, you know, capitalized. All the big guys all bought each other. You know, a, a lot of these, you know, big organization, big funeral organizations went public. But the net result was that the information that they were given was wrong. And I mean, it was really wrong. It was 20 years off. Because I know somebody didn't look
2: at the census. But, but now would be a good time to get into the cre- cremation and cemetery business. It's It couldn't,
3: couldn't be any better, cremation especially. Couldn't okay. be any better. You, you, your biggest problem is going to be uh, uh, handling the business.
2: Okay. And so what, what other industries would be benefiting by the trends in the U.S. now?
3: Well, there's, there's lots of them. One of the things that you, you have to realize is that you get this crop of kids coming up that's under 25, that's, that's six years old to 25 years old. And uh, the average age you get married in the United States is 26, 28 years old. Uh, one of the, uh, the, the industries that benefit from people preparing to get married is apparel, because apparel is plumage, and, and it's, you know people get dressed up to attract mates. Well, the apparel industry has been in the tank for 20 years because of the tiny generation, Generation X. Generation X has now moved on. The, the, the new marriages... Um, and And the new group that 's getting ready to get married is is a monstrous generation bigger than the baby boomers and they 're going to be buying apparel with a vengeance so they can find mates so apparel 's good
2: okay and the other areas come to mind that would be well another
3: here's here's a couple there's a couple of really good ones uh one of them is uh, we we 're watching the african American culture as you know one you know the uh a household income of Af- African Americans is is uh, going way up. African Americans, according to Pew Research, for the first time, have stated that their uh, conditions are getting better, noticeably better, and feel that they're, they're that you know they're comfortable with with the, the direction things are going. This is the first time in 200 years this has been you know since research has been done on the on this culture that this has happened, and we think it has a lot to do with with Obama and the White House, but. What it means, simply, is if, you want to, if you're looking for something that's going to sell well, think of anything that African Americans buy. And for that matter, uh, you want to get in front of another trend, get in front of the Latinos. The La- Latinos, uh, for instance, in food, su- uh, going to the supermarket, go twice as often and spend twice as much as, as uh, uh, um, uh, Native Americans. Not Native Americans, I mean, you know, Caucasians.
2: If
3: you yes. Know. <laughs> it, 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 I, I don't know where to go with that. Uh, but, but, but the uh, uh, Latinos are, are real consumers, but you have to know what they're buying. And, so that, and we have a million, and, and the, the, um, when the, the census comes out, it's going to show that we have 50 million of them. There's more Latinos in the country now than we have African Americans.
2: So some of, what are some of the industries that are going to get hurt by current demographic trends?
3: Uh, well, <laughs> that, that's... Housing has got to come back. Uh, do I think housing is going to come back the way that it did before? Uh, no, I don't. Um, do I think that uh, our recreation is going to come back? You know, and that's everything from um, you know recreational products like boats, or um, I think vacations are, are, are still going to be okay. Um, but there, we. We have a cavity. We have it, we have an unusual demo in our in our demography right now in our market that is currently uh, uh, 26 to 45 years old. So anything that this group normally buys is not going to do terribly well, uh, simply because the number of native-born people that we have in this group is small. What what we do have is a huge Number of Latinos in this group that can compensate for that deficit, but you'd have to think that through.
2: Um, okay, how about the university system? Are colleges uh, going to get more crowded or less crowded in the next few years? Well,
3: uh, oh, much more crowded. Yeah, they, they, you're going to have colleges going to be all patting themselves on the back, uh, wondering where all these best and brightest kids came from, um, simply because of the, the new crop of kids that we have and there's a huge one of the peaks right now is uh, was 1990 and we have another one in uh, 2007 which is that's relatively young but but 1990 that's a 20 year old we have a we have a peak in our population right around 20 years old so these kids are still in college there's a huge new crop of kids coming up through the system who are going to want to get into college hey what, you know, one of the areas that's going to be very very good is technical training any kind of technical training uh, the technical training to become a, a, um, uh, a mechanic or, or, you know, an autom- automotive technician, uh, an electrician, a plumber, uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, uh, any kind of uh, IT, uh, we're seeing huge, huge increases and in, in like a reversal of the paradigm of, of these college-educated people, you know, getting, you know, making all the money. It's kind of going the other way because we have a deficit right now in technical trades in the United States. It's kind of cloaked by the unemployment, but once the United States comes back, and it will with a vengeance, and it will start, we're forecasting starting like right around now, you're going to see all of these trades come back. And the kids that are elected to go into the trades are actually going to make more money than their friends who elected to become attorneys.
2: Now, let's talk about unemployment a bit. I mean, there's currently about, I think, 15 million Americans unemployed, something like that. We have a roughly 10% unemployment rate. Is yeah, some be- of that demographic, or what, what's going to be happening to the demography and how that's going to affect unemployment going forward?
3: Well, it's, it's actually, it's like, the bad news is we have uh, 10% unemployment. The good news is we have 10% unemployment. Why? Well, unemployment forces um, the public to, to do things. I mean, there's nothing, there's, there's no um, driver like necessity. It's like the necessity is the mother of invention. Um, two things are going to happen, because we saw it happen in the 70s. When, when the baby boomers got out of college, there were a zillion of them. There weren't any jobs. They faced 50% unemployment, just like the kids getting out of school now. What they do? They wanted a the business for themselves. They figured out how to serve their own communities with uh, specialized businesses. I mean, everything, everything from franchises to being a plumber and an electrician. They went into business for themselves. Small business is the backbone of any economy. Small, small business employs 80% of the people. So if we're, if we're suddenly going to see a wave of entrepreneurs going into business, why? Because they want to eat and they have to eat uh, and, and, you know, they don't have jobs. Uh, it's a very, very good thing. And it's not only happening... Uh, with kids coming out of college, it's happening with boomers because a lot of boomers were outsized, downsized, let go—you know, reduction in force, whatever you want to call it—they got let go from their big jobs too early for them to retire. What are they going to do? They will open their own businesses. So watch out. <laughs> we, we, I, I wrote an article for CNBC about Walmart tanking because they 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 bet the farm on the baby boomer. All the small businesses that Walmart put out of business. Are suddenly going to become viable again? All, all that opportunity,
2: because of the a need for employment by the, the people who've been laid off, you're saying?
3: Absolutely, but, and but, if the market's there. You know, the, the money is there. What's what's the difference between a bad economy and a good economy? It's money that moves.
2: Well, money right now, money is not moving that much.
3: That, that's exactly. So money needs to move. So what? You know, one one of the things that you know, is the, you and I both speak to bankers, and I tell bankers, I said, listen, guys, you know. You, Get into the small business, you know, loan business. And, you know, and, and uh, start making loans based on your gut. I mean, like, you know, good decisions. You know, little intuition doesn't hurt here. And loan small business people some money so we can get this economy going again.
2: And they're too scared to do it in many cases. I, I want to talk briefly about some of the myths you talk about in your book. Uh, one of them is you talk about the graying of America myth. What is that myth and what are the implications of that?
3: Well, it, it's, it's the graying of America myth that was... Uh, uh, Put forth uh, 15, 20 years ago, and that was I, there was a time, uh, Jordan, when when a couple of things were happening. One, we, we were discovering that we had uh, a large number of very elderly people, a large number. Well, what was that? That was just simply there were a lot of people born 1905 to 1924, the baby boomers' parents. There were a lot of them, and and when you have a huge generation like that, there's always a percentage of them that live to be hardy elderly people. So all of a sudden, we're all deciding that we live longer because we have 70, 80, 90-year-old people, a lot of them. Well, that's a result of there being a big population that precipitated that group. Then uh, the, people also thought that these people somehow could be baby boomers, but they were 20 years off. It was, it was not a correct uh, calculation.
2: Okay, we're going to take a break. My um, guest this hour is Ken Grunbach, whose book is called The Age Curve. How to Profit from the Coming Demographic Storm. His website is kgcdirect.com and agecurveconsulting.com. We'll be back after this.
0: Were you full of questions such as why, how, and what if? Did you allow yourself to be carefree, to dance and sing? Did you create just for fun? Want to feel that way again? Reclaim your natural curiosity and creativity with Dr. Carol Stalkup on Stargazing Stories, sparking your creativity. Revitalize your life, work, and relationships. Be more playful, be bold, imagine, explore, and live more creatively every day. Tune in Wednesdays at 11 a.m. in the East, 8 a.m. in the West on 7th Wave Network.
1: Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Ken Granbeck, whose book is called The Age Curve, How to Profit from the Coming Demographic Storm. Uh, A website to reach him is agecurveconsulting.com. Welcome back to the show, Ken. My
3: pleasure. I'm having fun.
2: Let's talk a little bit about health care. Uh, we've got this new health care bill now, uh, which they say is going to add 30 million people uh, now getting health insurance that didn't get it before. It's going to be revenue neutral. Uh, Costs will plunge and coverage will go up, but everything's going to work out great. Isn't that the way it's going to work?
3: <laughs> I mean, I, wouldn't that be nice? No, it can't. No, what, what what has to happen, it, it, one of two things. I mean, either the government's going to take it over and uh, it's it, and charge everybody more taxes because that's how it's got to be paid for somehow. Or they could just leave things alone and leave the insurance model in place because the insurance model would have uh, self-corrected in four or five years. I mean, we could have done some modification. In any situation of when you have a uh, healthcare insurance model, you, you need to have more people paying into the uh, insurance and not using the services than you do. People paying in and using more than they're paying in.
2: But with the baby boomers now getting into an age where they're going to use more health care, how could that work under the current circumstances?
3: Can't. Can't work. No. So what happened was the, the baby boomers uh, very quietly moved out of the age where they paid into the system. You know, we have roughly 100, and, well, let's just say 140 million people working in the United States. Uh, when the baby boomers were 20 to 40, years old and paying into the health care system, paying, paying health insurance and not using it because they were young, things were great. I mean, everybody made money. Uh, the best example I can think of would be U.S. healthcare, care made a ton of money. And then uh, they, they were bought by Aetna when, when things started to go south. And Aetna thought it was a management issue. when It, what it, it was a demographic issue. What happened simply is the baby boomers moved into the unhealthy part of the workforce where they used a lot of the services, more than they were paying for, and Generation X that had 9 million fewer people than the baby boomers were paying in and not using it. Well, all you need to do is do the math. It didn't work.
2: So I'm going to put you on the Deficit Reduction Commission, which is going on now. It's going to report at the end of the year. And you tell us what to do.
3: Well... (laughs) What I would do is, the first thing I would is somehow, some way, get this out of the hands of government because we don't want the post office running uh, health care. What we need to do, we need to do several things, but most importantly, we need to advance Generation Y as quickly as we can into the labor force. And by that I mean uh, assist Generation Y in finding high paying jobs so they get married a little bit earlier than we. we uh, think they should, and buy health insurance and then be nice and young and healthy and not use it. That's number one. Number two, uh, in Generation X's space in our time continuum, and that's roughly 26 years old to 45 years old, we have a huge number of Latinos that came here to satisfy the entry-level labor needs that were not su- supplied by Generation X we need to advance the Latinos as quickly as we can socioeconomically so they can begin to uh, buy health insurance and uh, later on pay taxes so we can run our country. That's what I would do.
2: You have a chapter in your book called The End of Marketing, uh, as we know it, Media's Slow Death. How is these are these demographic changes uh, affecting uh, the media?
3: Oh, I tell you, if we could figure out a way to reach Generation Y, we could print money, Jordan. Generation Y is like... You, 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 you're going to run a magazine ad? They're not going to look at it. You're going to run a newspaper ad? They don't read the newspaper. You're going to run an ad on a radio? They don't listen to the radio. You're going to run an ad on television? Television has, has a thousand stations. It's so fragmented. Try to find them. How do you reach them? How do you market to the biggest, most consuming, newest generation in the history of our nation and get them to buy at the level of the baby boomers when you can't reach them? That's the problem right now. And I mean, I'll tell you this, you're not going to do it on the social networks. I mean, that's a bunch of... That's nonsense.
2: So how, how, how are you going to do it? Marketers need to reach their markets. How are they going to do it?
3: Well, like I said, if you, if you can come up with that answer, I don't have that answer. I wish I did. You, you know, well, you know one thing that I would recommend for people is that uh, everybody still has a mailbox. You want to reach kids? I have, I have two Generation Y kids. I have an 18-year-old and a 15-year-old. You want to reach my kids? Send them something in the mail. Send them a coupon in the mail to a store that they love, and they will beat a path to your door. Now, isn't that amazing? Snail mail for the most cyber generation in the history of our country.
2: That's amazing. I mean, you'd think there would be uh, online applications or uh, seeing things on their iPhone, mobile marketing, I would think would be. Yeah, weird.
3: tell me what, what works. I, I watch my girls, you know, when there's a, a, a pop-up of some kind or, or a, you know, when they're on Facebook and some kind of commercial message comes up, they get furious. They're not happy with that advertiser. They're they're They want that advertiser to get out of their way. That's not good. I mean, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make the TV model, and that is, you know, we'll provide you with entertainment if you will sit through some of our commercial messages in payment of watching our entertainment. Well, that doesn't translate to the cyber world. It just doesn't. It's not the same thing. So I don't know the
2: answer. You talk about the 600-pound green gorilla in Generation Y. What do you mean by that?
3: Well, what I mean by that is, is if you have, if you don't have a green story or a humanitarian story, and you're marketing to these people, and for some reason if it gets out that you're not so cool, like Walmart. You know, Walmart has got an awful reputation with these kids. Why is Walmart struggling? Well, they might, you know, they may not have to look any farther than the fact that that, that the uh, evidence that they treat their their own people poorly. Uh, is everywhere. Well, You don't think genera- Generation Y is onto that? Yeah, you don't want to mess with the environment or mess with people in a negative way and expect to have a market.
2: You also talk about coming to America, melting into the world's melting pot. What, what are going to be some of the immigration trends based on these demographic trends you've talked about in coming years?
3: <laughs> Here's one for you. There are about 15 or 20 million young Asian men in China right now that can't find women. Bright men, intelligent men, wealthy men. You think they're going to hang around there? I I don't know. I mean, I, it, it was just seemed to me that if if, uh, if there was an open immigration policy, or if I could find my way here to the United States, if I was a, a, a young French kid or a young German kid or a young Russian kid or, or a, a young Japanese kid, if I could find my way to the United States and live here in in the, in the the American dream, as opposed to my own country, I would come here in a nanosecond, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think the pressure is going to be on. I think the the place on Earth to be, Jordan, is going to be the United States.
2: Uh, in China, particularly, I guess, where they k- killed women and uh, babies, and you know, girls were bad in many cases. It probably is a, a big shortage of women there, right?
3: Millions. I mean, uh, there, uh, scores. I mean, millions and millions and millions. It, it's a it's tragic. I, I, Jordan, I mean, let's, let me just say something here, maybe a little bit sensitive. During World War II, the, the, the Holocaust was ignored. I, I don't know why. I don't know what we were thinking. I don't know. I, I don't know. I only know that everybody woke up afterwards. We're someday going to wake up to the fact that the Chinese have eliminated, prevented, in quotes, 400 million live births. And we're going to come to grips, grips with that. And that's tragic.
2: Well, how is all this going to affect immigration policy? This is becoming a very hot political issue in the United States.
3: Well, it, it's, uh, here's the, the, going to be the, the biggest single thing to influence the immigration policy is going to be the need to have high-end taxpayers. We know that, that most taxes are paid by very, very wealthy people. Yes, Yes. Okay. Well, very wealthy people pay taxes. What we're going to need, we're going to need to have the best and the brightest people here in the United States because between the years of 26 years old and 45 years old right now, we have a deficit in our population. And if this group that currently occupies that age frame is superimposed over the heavy lifting years of uh, roughly 40 to 60, for everything, for consumption, for, for uh, production, and for taxpaying, we're not going to have enough taxpayers so I think what's going to happen is we're going to alter our tax-paying, uh, our immigration, to beat uh, that need.
2: Terrific. Okay, what well, it's been very interesting. My guest this hour has been Ken Grunbach, uh, whose book is called The Age Curve, How to Profit from the Coming Demographic Storm. Uh, his website, agecurveconsulting.com and kgcdirect.com. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Ken. Thank you, my friend. And thank you, and we'll be back with next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.
1: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.